the first podcast of the series about infrastructure for KPMG South America app begins now. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us, and welcome to KPMG Latin America Infrastructure Podcast Series. Today, we have with us Cesar Arias. Uh, Cesar is the Director of Public Service for the Ministry of Finance in Colombia. Welcome, Cesar, and thank you for being here with us. Uh, the topic for today's podcast is uh, risk assessment and the Colombian case. Uh, Cesar, can you please uh, explain to us a little bit of overview about the, the, the history of, of, of risk assessment in Colombia and the updated methodology that the government did uh, during this year? On behalf of the Ministry of Finance of Colombia, I want to thank KPMG for this uh, warm invitation to discuss infrastructure development in, in Colombia. In this podcast, I would like to refer to three points. Uh, the first one is Colombia's framework for infrastructure development. The second point is Colombia's approach to risk allocation between the public and the private sector in infrastructure projects. And the third point is a summary of the updating of our methodologies to assess and quantify traffic and cost overruns risk in infrastructure projects. Let me start by saying that Colombia has been and remains a leader and an example of good practices in the development of laws, institutions, and markets for infrastructure in Latin America and among emerging markets. The latest ranking called Infrascope and developed by the Economist Intelligence Unit ranked Colombia as number two in 2019 and it was ranked number one in 2017. What are the strengths and weaknesses of the Colombian experience? In terms of the strengths, investors and observers refer to the strength of the regulatory framework. Colombia relies on a standardized contract for infrastructure projects. It has a proper and efficient allocation of risk. And most recently, it has developed a resolution scheme that is top-notch in terms of technologies to resolve infrastructure consortiums in Colombia. Is what we call our Chapter 11 for infrastructure. The second strength is the development of deep, liquid, and diversified markets for infrastructure. Colombia has a primary market of something like $7 billion of infrastructure concessions, particularly in the toll road sector, that has been gradually uh, awarded. And it also relies on an emerging secondary market for infrastructure concessions to the tenor of $2 billion. It's well known that Colombia has innovated in the adoption of financial structures like the mini-perm, standalone project finance, securitizations, and most recently, debt and equity infrastructure funds for financing. It also relies on a very strong, capable, and independent institutions for infrastructure. We have National Infrastructure Agency and National Development Bank, and we have fostered coordination between the Ministry of Finance, the Ministry of Transportation, and our Department for National Planning. But there are also areas for improvement. In the ranking for infrastructure of the Economist Intelligence Unit, investment climate remains a challenge. There are three particular areas that need improvement. 
The first one is a policy continuity from national administration to national administration and also from coordination between the national government and the subnational authorities. There is room for improvement, particularly in tax stability. The country has been doing recurrent changes to its tax code that create uncertainty for, for certain investors. And there is also room for improvement in the area of reducing red tape, expediting permits for environmental and social issues and also in terms of, of bureaucracy. But I think clearly the benefits outweigh the, the potentials area for improvement. And as I mentioned, Colombia remains a leader in this area in Latin America and emerging markets. The second point that I wanted to make is that Colombia has designed over the years a very clear framework for the allocation of risk between governments and private sector investors in infrastructure projects. This is the cornerstone of our policy for stability and attractiveness for markets because this allows projects to be bankable and competitive, not only nationally but internationally but it also creates provisions that help us limit the impact of these projects in the sovereign balance sheet. Back there, in the first generation of infrastructure projects in Colombia in 1993, the country basically operated under public works scheme in which 80% of the risk were in the hands of the public sector and the remainder 20% were in the hands of the private sector. Fast forward uh, six or seven years in the second wave of projects, that distribution moved to 70-30. And most recently in the 2000s, in the fourth generation of programs in 2013 onwards, the split is now fluctuating between 60-40 and 50-50. This new reallocation of risks is also important to see it from the type of risk. We have made a clear decision that risk like the establishment of toll roads, the changes that are mandated by regulations on tariffs and issues of force majeure belong completely to the scope of the public sector. On the other hand, we have completely passed to the private sector risk that has to do with operation and maintenance. OPEX with the financing of projects and also with the hedgeable and insurable force majeure. There is a third family of risks that are right in the middle that the Colombian government shared with investors in different measures and those risks had to do with traffic, with demand, with foreign exchange, with land management and also with tax changes. We have been made very clear in our policy statements and regulations that we're willing to share certain risks, but this sharing has to be limited and has to be established with a clear criteria. The third point that I want to make is about the updating of our methodologies to assess and quantify traffic and cost overruns risks in infrastructure projects. Let me start by talking about traffic. In traffic, 10 years ago, we had very limited data on basically two or three roads nationwide. 
And because we were facing these levels of uncertainty, we based our quantification on contingent risk in traffic on Monte Carlo simulations. So we basically iterated different states of the world, pick a 95% conservative percentile and quantify risk. In our latest updating of this methodology, we moved from Monte Carlo simulations to multi-linear regressions because we discovered that there are at least four factors that explain and that are very correlated with traffic in Colombia. The first factor is a regional GDP. And when this is not available, it is also correlated with national GDP. Tariff levels that, of course, the higher the tariff, the higher of an impact on demand for the usage of roads. And two issues that are very idiosyncratic in Colombia, but nonetheless very important. Business days, we have sort of two different types of traffic, uh, ones that are given in, in weekdays and, and others that are given in holidays, long weekends, etc. And as a steel oil related economy, there is a big relationship between the discovery, new discoveries of oil and the traffic for new roads. So when we made this transition from Monte Carlo simulations to multiple uh, variable regressions, we were able to optimize our models in a share of 116%. And this is the fact, this is because of the fact of this new calibration that we were able to explain and the quality of the new data that we collected after more than a decade of, of data that we were able to collect in different concessions. Although this was an in-house development, we wanted to subject ourselves to the highest standards of peer review and quality control. So we entered into a joint venture with the World Bank and we were able to peer review these methodologies and validated them with Professor Juan de Dios from the Catholic University in Chile who is a world-class expert in this matter. In terms of cost overruns, we also made an important transition. In the past, geological, land, uh, utility networks risks that generated cost overruns were modeled based on chi-square distributions. These chi-square distributions, as the literature shows, provides a lot of subjectivity and subjectivity can translate into the underestimation of risks. And we move from these chi-square distributions to the most commonly used in the literature PERT distributions. And the advantages are significant. The first one is that PERT distributions are based on observable factors. You will only have to determine, based on historical and empirical evidence, the minimum, the maximum, and the most probable percentiles for risk. And you can calibrate the distribution as the projects are progressing. With this distribution, we were also able to move from initial percentiles of 95% of risk to even 60% of the risk when the projects are closer to operation and completion. Although this was also an in-house development, in this case, we also counted on the peer review 
of the Stanford Institute from Infrastructure, Professor Mike Menon, in an alliance with the U.S. Treasury from North America. Once we started to apply these two new set of methodologies for traffic and cost overruns, the results were very important and I'm happy to report them to you. In terms of the provision system that we have for the projects to make to a contingency fund that we manage at the central government level, the level of provisions for the future and potential materialization of risk fell by 19% when you use the previous methodologies and the new methodologies. We collected data from all the infrastructure projects in terms of cost overruns and a representative sample of the projects with data on traffic. When you plot something between 40 to 50 projects of infrastructure nationwide, mostly in the toll road sector, the amount of provisions to the contingency funds that these projects made fell from 14 trillion pesos to 12 trillion pesos. So there, was, there were net savings of something like 2 trillion pesos. To facilitate comparison, if we translate this into dollars, the provisions to the contingency fund were falling between $3.5 billion to $3 billion, uh, a net saving of something like $500 million. I think the takeaway from, from this last point is that we are trying to achieve a very delicate and fine equilibrium between being able to provision enough resources for the potential materialization of risks in the future, but we were also being very careful to minimize the opportunity cost of having idle of excess resources that could affect the development of other projects of infrastructure. Today, our contingency fund, that is this shield that we have for contingency risk in infrastructure in Colombia, has a balance of 3 trillion pesos. 3 trillion pesos is, is something close to, to, to $1 billion. And 56% of these provisions have been made for land risks, 15% for commercial, and, and so on. And the actual materialization of drawdowns from these funds due to the materialization of risk had been in the order of 1.3 trillion pesos, uh, something like $500 million over the last uh, decade. And the materialization and drawdowns of risk have mirrored very well the sort of the provisions types that we have made. So 59% has been in land, 16% in geological, 10% in design and so far. So we have had a policy of, let's put it this way, insurance to contingent risk in a relationship of three to one. We have, let's put it this way, $3 provision for the potential materialization of $1 of risk. And we consider that this is a prudent policy, but that we should not be complacent because we will very soon face the peak of the construction, operation, and completion of our pipeline of almost 30 projects of toll roads in the country that we call the four generations. So we will continue to monitor very closely how this materialization of risk from traffic, from land use, from utilities, from geological factors, uh, how that materialization will impact 
our provision system and hopefully it will leave us with still a contingency fund that is able to absorb this potential materialization on contingent liabilities. Thank you again for this opportunity to share with you our approach in Colombia to infrastructure laws, institutions and markets. And we will be very happy to answer any questions that you have through our web website, minacienda, www.minacienda.gov.co in Colombia. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Cesar. Um, as you said, uh, this is a continuous process of, of, of improvement. Hopefully, uh, we can see these, these adjustments and these efficiencies in these new methodologies. Uh, applied and, and see the, the results in in the in the next generation of projects, the 5G projects that the government uh, announced around a, a month ago. But but uh, thank you, Cesar, for your for your participation in in this in this podcast, and and thank you everyone for listening. You've just listened to the first podcast of the series about infrastructure for KPMG South America app.